Welcome to Fitness in the World with Benjamin Kasanji. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 to 13. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. He's writing to them that they might know that they have eternal life. But the ones he's writing to are believers. These are children of God. And I've said this, it is possible for you to be a child of God and not know that you have eternal life or not walk in eternal life, not live the eternal life. We can all quote, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, but that life that he came to give us, are we walking in that life? Is it a reality for us? It should become a reality to us. That is what he, that is what he died for and that is what he wanted us to have. Uh, let's go to, let's read Colossians chapter 1. Let's read from verse... 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Now I like that he says, and that are in the earth, visible or invisible. Now many times we've believed that because they are invisible, they are not real. And we believe that just because they are invisible, we should not have interaction with them. And humanity has been limited there. He tells us in Hebrews that the things that we see were created from things that are not seen. The things that are visible were created from things that were invisible. The invisible world is more real than the visible world to the eyes. It is more real. And this is where eternal life is. It is from the invisible that it becomes visible. It's from the invisible that your visible life is affected. And many times, we, you see, God has created human beings to long for the supernatural. If you are a child of God and you have no desire for the supernatural, you are not born again. Every child of God inherently have a desire to see the supernatural. They desire to see the supernatural. It is how we are born again. You desire to see the supernatural. Even people who criticize it, deep down in their heart, they desire. And that's why you see, many times they'll say, this will take a miracle. However much they don't believe in miracles, they talk against miracles. Even atheists, when you see when a bus, a plane is falling or something, they call on Jesus. It is supernatural. This Jesus you're not seeing, he's not seated on the plane. He's not one of the pilots or the hostesses. So why are you calling on him? Inherently, there is a desire for the invisible. There is a desire to see the supernatural at work for every person, every human being. And that is why you see that who doesn't like superhero movies? No one. And you see now some of these things are being created by non-believers. But it is showing you a nature that God created. It just excites you to just... To see these superheroes. Why? Because when you got born again, your nature should be above those guys. He says that those that are born of him are like the wind. You're like the wind. Amen. Yeah, that is what a child of God is. You're like the wind. That is the truth. When Jesus died on the cross, when the Bible tells us who has believed our report, Isaiah 53. Part of our report is that by his stripes we were healed already in past tense. So it does not matter the disease that is going to be discovered 10 years from now. It can't succeed. This is the eternal life we've been called to. This is the eternal life that we've been called to. So don't put off that. The more, you, the more you get to realize that the invisible world is real and the invisible world is, is for us, the look at the things that Jesus kept seeing. Just like, go see, there's a donkey tied with a colt and all this. Jesus is talking about all these things, and he's not there. The invisible world was real to him. 
Nicodemus thought he had seen so awesome things just because of what he had heard Jesus say. And Jesus said, wait until you see angels ascending and descending. Nicodemus had never heard of such a phrase. Even from their forefathers who saw angels like Gideon, angels always first descended. You see, but Jesus is saying you will see them ascend. They were there with him. Jesus is telling him, for me, they don't need to come from heaven. I can send them back to heaven. Then they, then they come back. <laughs> the Christian religion has deprived us of all this. Has deprived us of the life that we are meant to live. The life that was purchased for us. Hallelujah. So we've been talking about this and we, that is why John is writing to them. And he's telling them, I'm writing to you that you might know that you have eternal life. That you may know. It's true you are a believer. You are a child of God. But maybe John was not seeing these people walk in eternal life. And when you see, you look at the episodes of John, you're going to realize that many of them, he really dwelt on this eternal life. He's, he's, he's talking about the love of God. He's telling them this that I'm telling you, we have seen, we have handled, we have tested, we've touched. He's talking of that. John still talks about how we have an advocate with the Father. He talks, about, he talks about many things that were not a reality to many of these people, yet they were believers. But it's because he doesn't want them to miss this. He writes to them and he says, I want you to prosper in all things, in, in, to, to, to prosper in your health and in all things, even as you prosper in your soul. As in, he's saying this kingdom of God that we've come into can affect our lives in all these areas. Because you see somebody would say, no, John was just talking about, about spiritual prosperity. He said, as you prosper in your soul, I believe that's spiritual prosperity. So what is, and all the other things? He meant prosperity here on earth. And if things on earth were created by things that are not seen, were created by things that are in the spirit, if we prosper in our soul, if we prosper in the spirit, we are able to influence things that are here on earth. We are able to mobilize resources here on earth if we prosper in the spirit. Because it starts in the spirit. Life starts in the... Paul tells Timothy, physical exercise is good. But he says godliness, yeah? Oh, godly exercise, spiritual exercise, spiritual, like spiritual growth, being equipped spiritually is beneficial in all ways. All things, it is beneficial. In all, in all. In other words, it is including the place of physical exercise. It is beneficial in all. The supernatural is real and it controls the natural. It controls what we see. That's why Hosea 4.6 says, my people perish because of Ignorance, lack of knowledge. Which ignorance? What does John, John 17, 3 say? This is eternal life, that they might know him, they might know you as the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent, that this is eternal life, that they might know you. Yeah? This, let's read in Amplified. If it sounds so loud, it's because it's Amplified. And this is eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, recognize, become acquainted with, and understand you, the only true and real God. And likewise, to know him, Jesus, as the Christ, the anointed one. Let's read in NLT. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent on earth. To know. And I've explained that word to know there is the same word used. Adam, go to know Eve, and they begat Cain. It is intimacy. It is not that I know God. Then, after some time, God, where were you when I was suffering? You didn't know him. You didn't know him. If you knew him, you would know he doesn't go away. So he's not talking about mental ascent. He's not talking about what we come and make notes in church and, 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 and cram and memorize, as good as that is. He's talking about knowing. But he's talking about a knowledge of experience. First John 5.20, he still explains this. It is John who explains this a lot. And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him, you see, knowing him again, that is true. And we are in him, that is true. Even in the Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. So because of 
lack of this knowledge, which is not just mental ascent, lack of this experience, lack of this life where God is a reality. God is not just another phenomenon. He's more real to you than the person standing next to you. He's more real to you than whoever you're talking to. Because of lack of this knowledge, my people are, are destroyed. My people perish because they've not experienced me. So my people perish. My people are destroyed. Thank God that this truth is coming to us. We can't perish like the ignorant ones. And you see, this is not a statement of arrogance. It is a statement of knowing who we are. Amen. Knowing who we've been made to be. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, Song of Songs 2, verse 13 to 15. We read this. But it says, The fig tree putteth forth her green figs, and the vines with the tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. O my dove, that art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs, let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is calmly. In other words, you look beautiful. This is God speaking to you. He's saying, come, come away. Come away from all that destruction. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice, and I want to see you. You are beautiful. God is inviting you to a place of, that place of appearing, that place of, that place of knowing you intimately, that place of he's taken, you away from the, he's taken you away from the crowd. He does not just know you as one of them. You see, when the Bible says that, he says that the hairs on your head are numbered, it does not say the hairs on your head are counted. So God is not saying uh, so-and-so has 7,000. Then uh, so-and-so, they've reduced 20. <laughs> you see, <laughs> that's not what he's saying when he says the numbers on your head and uh, the, the hairs on your head are, are numbered. They are numbered means when one falls, he doesn't say they were 1,000, they are now 999. No, he means 25 has fallen. Number 25 has fallen. Not one of them has fallen. They are numbered. They are not counted. They are numbered. No, no, if he, if he numbers your hair, do you think your hair is more important to him than, than you are? No, 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 no. Sometimes you take care of your wig and your weaving more than you take care of yourself. Yeah? You put it somewhere. You spray it. You give it things you've never bought for yourself. I know it's your hair. You get it. You have a receipt for it. But... <laughs> no, imagine he knows the number and he's numbered them. He knows it's this one. That shows how much he's interested in you. So when we come and worship him, it's treats corporate worship. But he hears your voice, you, yours alone. He hears your worship coming to him. And he wants you to know that. And, and, and like we were saying that this is what happens. When we come to that place where we get so intimate with him, we discover who we are. Actually, we really get to know ourselves. That is why he says, we with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror, are being transformed into his likeness. We are being transformed into that image, that image of God. That as we behold, as we continue beholding, in other words, as we become intimate with him, Peter demonstrated this for us. As long as Peter kept looking on Jesus, he became like Jesus, flamboyant. He became like Jesus. Peter could walk on water. Because he kept beholding Jesus. He kept intimate with Jesus. His eyes were on Jesus. No matter the storm. Even if a shark had gone above him. As long as he kept on to Jesus. He was not palatable to the shark. Hallelujah. Then he turned his eyes away. Like many of us do. We come out of the presence. That is why many times we, we always have to enter. And to be taught how to come in the presence. But you see, when we were born, we were born in the presence. That should be where we live. But many times we, we, we really want to enter. We really want to enter. But we can stay there. He's created it for us. We become like him. So he's, this is what he's saying. Come. Yeah? What does verse 15 say? Song of songs. Go back to Song of songs. Verse 15. Take us, the foxes. Another version says, catch us, the little foxes. They spoil the vineyard. And the last teaching we did, I was dealing with one of the foxes. 
You remember one of the foxes? It is the sin issue. Not understanding forgiveness. Forgiveness does not just mean being pardoned. Forgiveness means to be set free. Liberty. It comes from the Greek word aphasia, which means to be set free. And that is why he tells Paul, it's in Acts chapter 26, he tells Paul, Paul is speaking about what he was spoken to when he encountered him on the way to Damascus, that he was to open the eyes of the Gentiles and to bring to them, to preach to them repentance and forgiveness of sin, that they might receive forgiveness. In other words, forgiveness was already given. And that is one thing that I was emphasizing. Many times Christians pray like forgiveness was not yet given. I was telling you when John wrote the letters, he thought of the people that he was writing to, different categories, the babies, the new children, the youth, and the adults, the fathers. So, so there, are things, there are things that will not make sense if this is a child. I told you that truth also has dimensions. That is why Peter speaks of present-day truth. There are truer truths. Jesus came and said, didn't Moses tell you this? Did Moses lie to them? Didn't he hear from God? But Jesus came and said, but I say. He brought a truer truth. He brought a higher truth. Didn't Moses tell you that it's an ear for an ear? Now I tell you, love those who wrong you. Love those who offend you. He brought a higher truth. Yeah? He says, didn't Moses say, if you commit adultery, this and this, and Jesus said, if you just look at a woman, you've already committed adultery. If you say, alas to your brother, you've committed murder. Jesus brought a higher truth. And even as we grow in the word of God, as we grow in God, we realize that there are certain things that work for us, but at a certain level, we should outgrow them. As a child, I speak as a child. I thought as a child. But when I grew up, I put childish things away. I moved on unto maturity. That is why Paul says, putting aside the elementary things, it is so sad that more than half of the body of Christ does not know the elementary things. Yet Paul was here telling the Hebrews, he's saying, putting aside the elementary things, let us move on to perfection. Let's move on to maturity. And you see, today it's very possible that we preach from this, but is it really true that we've grasped the elementary? If we've not grasped the elementary, it is... It is wrong to move on. Many of these things go on because we have skipped the elementary. When, when people come and say, we, we want to do a conference on to learn how to forgive in marriage. You get what I'm saying? It sounds so good. And almost every married person is going to go there because they think the next time they are going to behead their spouse. If I don't go for this conference, let me go and learn how to forgive in marriage. Otherwise, I'll behead my spouse. Now, for us who are Pentecostals, we may not think of divorce may be a no-no. You may not even think about it, but we can easily think of murdering them. But, look, why are we organizing such a conference for Christians? It is because there is a step that was missed. Christians should learn forgiveness. You don't need to be married. I say, so how, how do I learn to forgive my wife? The Bible says, love your neighbors, you love yourself. Or you say, but no, she's not my neighbor. She now even sleeps in a different room. <laughs> well, the Bible says, do good to them that do wrong to you. Like, there are many issues that would be solved if we didn't skip. You see, so, pastor, how, how, how come now, when you start earning a lot of money, how do you deal with integrity? By being born again and not skipping steps. If you learned integrity... It does not, integrity doesn't, it, it does not matter the job. It's not the job that determines the level of integrity. No. Teachings on inner healing or how Christians, how Christians go through counseling and what. And I'm like, it is good because either way God wants people set free. You get it? But if we have to sit with you and I'm like, oh, you see in the past you didn't forgive your mom. That is why you're going through this. In the, oh, you remember you, there's somewhere here you didn't forgive. If as a child of God, you had received forgiveness, forgiveness means being set free, delivered, aphasia. If you had received it as a child, if you went through discipleship and you received what he gave for you, even the ones you don't remember, you would have forgiven. 
So now it is true it's going to set people free. But if, what if we preach the gospel when people are getting born again? What if we preach the gospel? It is the same thing. We cast out demons from Christians. Why do we cast out demons from Christians? Because there is a stage that was skipped. Because if that stage had not been skipped, there is no way in the first place this demon would get in. So many of the things we are doing today are makeup classes. They are makeup classes. You are saying learning transparency in marriage, learning to talk about your money. My wife is the one who normally tells me this, that her mother used to say that even if there was no heaven, even if Christianity was just a lie, it would still be worth it. How many things have we survived just being Christians? So just be a Christian. Be a Christian. Fully Christian. Marriage issues will reduce. Business issues will reduce. Many of these issues we are dealing with are just Christian issues. They're, they're not marriage issues. They're not integrity issues. They're not, no. If you store money in your government work, and it's not because it's government work. It is because you didn't know that new creatures don't steal. That's not their nature. You just didn't know that. That is what I normally say. If a wife speaks down her husband, she's bad-mouthing her husband, belittling him, many of the men, even her sons, have been belittled. It's not just a marriage thing. You go to her boss, hear how she speaks with, with, with her friends about her boss. It is, not, it, it is not a marriage issue. But it is because of skipping some of these stages. And now you see, when we embrace this eternal life, we get to know who we are. When we come close to him, we discover who we are. The reality, the, the, this new life, that because you see, we were dead. Let's, 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 let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Ephesians 2, verse 1. Because see, why, why this bothers me is that how do we reconcile scriptures that say, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Can't you be set free once? Can't you get born again and you are set free? How many people in the Bible were set free once? Even Paul. You have, how many of you have murdered? Okay, how many of you are thinking about murdering me? But you see, Paul got set free and he went on. The man who was in the tombs possessed, as in very possessed, that his demons were so many that they even had a committee. You see, by the time demons come up and say, please cast us into the pigs. You see, the devil has always been against pork. <laughs> now, <laughs> pork is good. Pork is white meat. If you see it a bit pink, it's because of the blood. But, it's... but this, as in this guy was so possessed. Yeah? They say he used to break chains. How many of you have broken chains? Not ropes. Today, mad people are tied with ropes. Him, he was, chains were put on him and he would tear them. You see, you tear, you know, if you can tear chains, what will you do to paper? But you see, Jesus comes, the man is set free, and Jesus sends him as a preacher. That is what I want us to see in our generation. It is because we are not preaching it. I saw an interview by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I saw an interview, he was being interviewed, and he's being asked how he succeeded with all this, with his life. He's like, it's because of not having plan B. It's like the moment you have plan B, all the energy you are putting in plan A, you now start putting in plan B. When Christians come and get born again and we tell them being set free is gradual, they postpone their being set free to next week when there's a class on deliverance, to the other week when there's a class of being set free. They postpone it. If they were told there's one option, they would focus on that one option. That is what faith is. Because, you see, when you come to this life, I was teaching spirit, soul, and body, and I was showing us, when he says, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God. All things are of God. Then he tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. In other words, this that is said about you, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Fight the good fight of faith to hold that, to lay hold of that. What is the good fight of faith? I've told us it is in our mindset. That is why it is a fight of faith. Faith is to believe the finished work of Christ. Praise Jesus. So it's true you may get born again today 
and tomorrow your friend comes and every curse word that you didn't even know before you got born again comes out of your mouth. You know what the devil wants you to believe? I have anger issues. And he wants you to say, you see, the word confess is the word homologia, yeah? Which is to say the same thing. The devil wants you to confess. Why? Because there is power in confession. That's why he tells us, hold on to your confession. Hold on to your profession. So the moment you again, you continue to say, you see, me, the issue is I have anger issues. I've never dealt with these daddy wounds. I've never dealt with these mommy wounds. I've never dealt with these sibling wounds. I've never dealt with these teacher wounds. I've never... You're going to realize that the wounds are so many. I'm telling you a way I was set free. When I discovered Philippians 2.13, for it is him who works in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Man, I stopped confessing what I was struggling with. This was way back in high school, because every day I would beat myself. He said, oh, you, you're going to go to hell. You, they eliminated us. And you say, look back, I'm like, I knew God more than these guys. I even spoke in tongues as filled with the Holy Ghost. They didn't speak in tongues. But what showed that they were holy is because of the skirts they put on. Uh, that is what shows that they are holy. How they cut their hair. Because uh, I plaited my hair. I, I was the devil that time. I became, I became very close to that. Who says the devil plates hair? There is no time in hell to plate hair. Because, you know, they used to look at me like the devil. And I would also confess the same thing. Now, now we are going to pray, but now you see we don't want demons to attack us. So, so they, they choose a smaller prayer group for the holy people. And I would also agree. You see, God, I know I'm not holy like them. I don't. I'm confessing the same thing. Until I go to know it is him who works in me, both to will and to do of his good. I stopped confessing like they wanted me to confess. I woke up in the morning and I'm like, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God. Even when there was an indulgence that like, the devil wanted me to confess, I'm a sinner, I've done it again, I would say, oh, no, 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 no. No, I messed up today, but I remember I am the righteousness of God. Today, the, it's true, devil, it's true, maybe you managed to get me to do it again, but you're not going to manage to make me condemned. The other times, you would, I, I would do it and still be condemned. This time, at least, I'm not going to be condemned. And I'm telling you, that's how freedom came. It didn't come by, by, by every time confessing, agreeing with the devil, agreeing with the devil, agreeing with the devil. Paul says, we believe, so we speak. Believe it and speak it. Believe it and speak it. The new you that he has created. And that's what I was telling us, like, where he's calling us in Song of Songs. He sees you holy in his eyes. He sees you righteous in his eyes because that is who he's made you to be. That is who he's made you to be. And so, you see, when you come there, confess. Like him, there is power in confession. There is power in confession. If you believe it and say it, there is power in that. That is why Paul says we are persecuted, we are pressed on all sides. But he confesses what he is. He says we are not cast down. Since seeming weak, but we are not weak. Seeming poor, making many rich. That is what Paul is saying. He's confessing the reality. And that is what I began with telling you. The invisible is more real than the visible. And the invisible can change the visible. So don't just go with the visible. One time Miles Monroe was preaching in a conference and he began this way. He said, I've come to make your eyes blind so that you can live by faith. The just shall live by faith, not by their physical senses. You get it? Stop claiming those things. I'm, co I'm coughing the same way my dad used to cough. Actually, he used to, he would touch here when he coughed. I also touched. I didn't even intend to touch. This is that generational curse. It is coming. And indeed, it will arrive. You see, well, the more you, the devil is waiting for your confession. You're the one who empowers his words. His words are a bluff. You see, many people say in the church, they preach and say, you see, when the devil fell, he was anointed. So he corrupted the anointing. Wrong theology. The Bible says all the angels that were pushed out were stripped of all their power. The devil didn't fall with a single drop of the anointing he carried. It was stripped away from him. Whatever the devil uses to manipulate people today, whatever the devil uses to attack people today, is what Adam gave to him, and it is what we give to him. When Adam, Adam exchanged, that is why he calls him the God of this, uh, the prince of this world. He's the God of this world. 
Why? Because Adam was the God of this world. He said, let man have dominion on earth. He said, heaven belongs to God. He's given us to the sons of men. Then Adam came and gave us to the devil. That's why he calls him the God of this, of this world. It is not that anointing. So imagine if what Adam gave to him has been so powerful and tormented people like that. What of what Jesus gave to you? What of this new place that you came into? What of this new place? Praise the Lord. Many people can't come boldly. Righteousness means standing before God without any sense of guilt or inferiority. You stand and you know, I am legal here. That is righteousness. I'm righteous in his sight. I am legal there. And that is why he gave us the name of Jesus. The name makes us legal. Because we come in the stead of Jesus. The name means we come in the stead of Jesus. In the place of Jesus. Would he deny his son? No. What if, and he calls us co-heirs. Joint heirs. Joint heirs. Joint heirs doesn't mean there is a portion for Jesus and there is a portion for you. Joint heirs means like you having a joint account. You know, like having a joint account in the bank? It doesn't belong to any of you. It belongs to both of you. You can't take half of it. Yeah, it belongs to both of you. If the mandate is that two signatories, <laughs> you can't withdraw half of the money with your one signature. And so, okay, since it's for both of us, I've come with one signature, let me take half of them. You can't. Not even a quarter. We are joint heirs. As entitled as Christ is entitled. Same inheritance. Same inheritance. Same inheritance. There is none that is his, and this is yours. Start with Genesis 2, 17, then we'll go to Ephesians 2, 1. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Hallelujah. Thou shalt surely die the day you eat of it. Ephesians 2, 1. Let's read it in New King James, NKJV. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. You are dead. You are dead. Now you see, eternal life is the life of God. And it is the only life whereby you can be alive. You get what I'm saying? Whoever has this physical life alone, they are dead. So when he told Adam, that day you eat of that fruit, you shall die. Many people are like, how come Adam didn't die that day? He died. He died. He's talking about spiritual death, which is a worse death than physical death. You would rather be dead physically and alive than being alive physically and dead. Adam died. But you see, spiritual death means you are no longer sensitive to the dictates of God. You are no longer, you no longer know God. You don't know him. You can't relate with him. So the first sign that Adam was really dead, he went hiding when God showed up. He was now dead to God, alive to nature. He even discovered he was naked. Maybe that's the only good thing he did for us, <laughs> discovering he was naked. <laughs> but <laughs> he's hiding from God, dead. He doesn't know him. He thinks this God is coming. He's after him. And that is why in Ephesians he's saying that we who are dead, he has made alive. You are now alive to God. You can hear God. You can, and you see, that is why, to me it's joyful when many Christians come and say, oh, you see, pastor, you see, I've been hiding this, but I've really been struggling with drinking. I've been struggling with this. I've been struggling with this issue. And you see, to them they feel so bad. They feel so pathetic. But me, I feel so good. I'm like, thank God that you're struggling with it. It means you're alive. You're alive. There's a time you are dead. Now, let, let, let's, let's read Ephesians 4, 18 to 19. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, this life we are in, eternal life. Adam became alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. My people perish cause. Because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling is not just talking about physical feeling. Your spiritual feelings are dead. And eventually your physical feelings also numb. I mean your spiritual feelings when they are dead. Eventually your 
your natural feelings are also numbed because I've told you the invisible controls the visible, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. But he's talking about this. Why? How come that for the first time this addiction is bothering you? It's because you've become alive. All the while you enjoyed it. People in the world enjoy it. Now when the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life. It is life. Eternal life. You are awakened to God. You are reawakened to God. That is why a new spirit is given to you. One who relates with God. One who can listen to God. One who can speak to God. One that can have communion with God every day. You are reawakened to that one. The wages of sin. Now, death came into the, the world because of sin. Death reigned because of sin. Sin brought death. Now, this does not mean that every person dying, they are dying because of some sin they have committed. That is not what I'm referring to. But it is sin that brought it. And you see, in Ephesians, he says, you're not guilty until you have the law. You get it? So a lot of the punishments that are of the law were not applicable until the law was given. But death reigned from Adam. Death did not wait for the law. Because death was dying to God. That is what sin does. And that is the truth that even when a Christian, if a Christian does not understand forgiveness, because forgiveness is something that we were given, something that we receive, something that we enjoy. When a Christian does not understand forgiveness, a Christian will want to continue in sin. As they, and as they continue in sin, there is death in that particular area. Wherever sin is. Because you see, sin, the indulgence, is a product of sin, the nature that Adam got. So that is why you realize that th th there are things that happen today in the church, and even Christians feel like that is normal. Yet it is not normal. But it shows that in that area there is death. In that area there is no life. There is death in that area. There is death in that area. Normally there is death in that area. Somebody was talking about like many of the addictions, which I think it was, but he was talking about how like many of the addictions, it is because of how we've, our priorities have been set. Let me say if somebody's, uh, somebody says, I am addicted to whatever they are addicted to, pornography, sex, drugs, and what, most of these people, if you brought their parent and you tell them, if you put that joint in your mouth, I behead your dad, they'll drop it. You get what I'm saying? Yet without that other option, they would think they are going to die if they don't take that joint. That is death working in that area. They, so, so they are still alive to their dad in a way. But they are dead to their health. They are dead to, they are dead to other things. They are dead to purity. They are dead, but they are somehow still alive to the affinity they have with their parent. So it can stop them. Like, okay, you want to, you, 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 want to, you feel you can't not sleep with that person and what? Okay, I'm going to kill your brother if you sleep with them. They say, no, I'm not going to sleep with them. You see, the more we continue in sin, it shows that we've not received the free gift of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a gift. It is part of the, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places that is given unto us. Forgiveness. And I've told you, forgiveness doesn't mean, okay, you've done it, go. I'll not do anything. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness means deliverance, being set free. Forgiveness means being given power over that that you used to struggle with. And that is why he says, Preach forgiveness. That is why we preach righteousness. Because forgiveness comes by righteousness. Forgiveness comes this way. You are now a child of God. You are a child of God. That is not your nature. He paid for your sins. I tell you, the life of God lives in you. You receive forgiveness. Now, forgiveness sets you free. And that is what God is concerned about most. God, God is not so concerned about you saying, I'm sorry every day and he pardons you. No, he's concerned about your freedom. Con what concerns him a lot is your freedom. That's why he gave forgiveness. That when you receive forgiveness, now when he talks about receiving forgiveness, it is the same way he talks about receiving grace and mercy in our time of need. It is that word, lambano. It is to take a hold of. It is not, oh, Father, please forgiveness, please forgiveness. It's true, devil, I know this. I've been struggling with this. I've been struggling with this. But forgiveness, 
Forgiveness was given for me. Father, I receive that forgiveness. And I will walk in that forgiveness. I will walk in that liberty. That is my life. That is the new life that you've called me to. That is the new life that you've given me. I'll walk in that. That is what God wants us to come to. That is what he wants us to come to. He wants us to come to that where when he says that sin shall not have dominion over you, he's not just talking about the effects. He's talking about even the indulgence. No, even if you're struggling with anything, I've told you that normally when we are given plan B, we easily gravitate towards plan B somehow. As long as somebody's given plan B, you get it? If somebody's given plan B, you see, it's just like, let me say what? Like whatever you do, let me say if it is, if it is, if it is working out. You get it? There are times I worked out in the house. So you see, if I'm working out in the house, I'll say, I'm going to do 30 push-ups. Then in the evening, I'll do 30 push-ups. When I go to the gym, I have a trainer. He says, give me 10. Then you see on the ninth, he's like, let's go for more 10. Then he, let's go for more 10. Then I realize I've done 55. In the house, I would never do 55. Why? Because I had an option. Yeah. Because you see, in the house, as long as I feel like I'm dying, I confess that I'm dying. <laughs> I agree that I'm dying. But there, the guy, you're like, hey, he's seeing me dying and he's telling me, give me some more. Like, maybe he's seen people who look like they're dying and they didn't die. You see, he's just pushing you more. You're just there. No, look at athletes. Many of them run, and at the finishing line, they, they collapse. They will collapse and faint. You, you've never fainted, but you stopped because you thought you were dying. <laughs> so I feel like it is so wrong for us to preach our experiences apart from the Bible. It is so wrong for me, no matter how true it is in my life, it is wrong for me to come and tell you, you see, all of us have some sin we are struggling with in some way or the other. You know what I've done? I've given you that option that you're never going to be totally free. And you're going to always walk with that in life. But at least I stopped drinking. I stopped doing this. I stopped doing this. It is just this that is left. I think everybody has their, their issue. It is just that one that I'm left with. So you, 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 you don't get that total freedom. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And that is how you see now you start dying in that area and you also stop looking for help. That is why many Christians, I've had Christians who say, I'm okay. I don't need help. And they need help, surely. But they've said, I don't need help. Because they've died in that area, they don't look at it as a big deal. I've talked to married people who are hurting their spouse. And they don't see anything wrong with it. They can't even defend it. But why did she do this to me? I'm like, really? Do you even hear yourself? Is this the person you love? Is this the person you used to buy flowers for on Valentine's? A person you used to pay Uber for, then you foot home? The, you see, now you're talking about them like they are, they are trash. And you wonder, what happened? There is death that happened. Their minds were seared. These are death that came. Because you see, if you're alive to the love of God, you'll wake up. However right you want to be, you'll not be right at the expense of the person you love. And you see, that's a very good principle in marriage. I can't just be right at the expense of my wife or her feelings or just to show her that I am I'm the man. And you see, Christian men use these phrases. And you see, they say, me, I've just been married for a few years. But it didn't start when they were married for many years. It started early. Wherever sin is, there is that death. Now, when he called us to eternal life, but you see, when we talked about eternal life, I was telling you that. He didn't, he didn't just call us out of, like he said in Exodus, he said, I'm sending my angel. Who shall bring you into? When we got born again, he didn't just take us out of the world. He didn't just deliver us from the devil. He didn't just set us free and leave us somewhere on the streets. Eternal life is the place he brought us into. And you see, when you're brought into this place, it is hard for you to go back. Why many Christians are praying, God, please let me not backslide. Please, I want to keep myself. I'm on this. We even have songs about that, how this journey is so hard, but keep me from falling and, and, and all this and all this. You know why? It is because we've never got into that place. You get what I'm saying? We've never got into that place. I gave you the example of somebody who has come from prison. Imagine somebody has come from prison 
and you tell them they, they have a house in a high-end area in this city. They have a house, they are workers, all the amenities that they need are there. Living in that house, they are never going to be thinking of, I don't want to fall back to prison. They'll be so busy exploring their new life and excited with their new life. But many people who leave prison, they've been in prison for 25 years, how many years, they don't know where their relatives are. They've been set free, but they've been brought nowhere. They are on the street. Eventually, they start starving. They have no food. They feel cold. They have no shelter. They will intentionally commit a crime to get back in prison where it was better. Many Christians are that way because they've not walked into this. They intentionally will give a bribe to have a better job because they've never come into provision that is in eternity. It will be very easy to fall back because you've never come into this place where there is no deficiency. And mind you, provision, I'm not talking about that it means you have money. No, 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 no. You first come into provision before you ever have money. You, you first come into that place when Paul is saying, seeming poor, yet making many rich. In other words, to the physical eyes, he had nothing. But there's a place that he had come to. The money could not make him backslide. Because he was already, that is what he talks about in, 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 in Ephesians chapter 3. That is the life that he's telling us that we, we come into this life, into his, this glorious inheritance, the riches of his glory. That we partake of the riches of his glory. We get into that place where there is no deficiency. That place where there is no smallness. No matter your academic qualification, no matter the level of your job, that there is no smallness. And that is why you find that as Christians in church, many times we are praying witchcraft prayers. We, 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 we are just, we, we are praying, oh, let my boss come down so that I take their position. I am the head, I'm not the tail. You've missed it. It's warped. That's upside down. When he's saying you're the head, not the tail, he's not talking about competing for just physical status. Yet if you get it in the spirit, it can give you the physical status. But you don't need the physical status for you to be the head. Joseph ruled when he was not the pharaoh. He was the head in Egypt. Daniel ruled he was not the king. He was the head. Jesus ruled he was not the earthly king. He even told Pontius Pilate, you can't take my life. It is me who lays it down. He, he was still above. He was on top of things. Praise the Lord. So you find Christians, instead of praying for their non-believing bosses to, to know Christ, instead of loving them, they don't. They're just, how can I believe be earning that salary when I'm here? How can I believe? That smallness you feel in there. Paul says, we are not the ones who fenced you in. That smallness that you feel. Yeah? Colossians, the message version says that. Colossians, I think, chapter 3. He says, that smallness that you feel. You see, when your eyes are opened to this life that is called you to to this dominion, to this reign that is called you to. You stop aspiring for things that people are aspiring for. Many men try so much to build a house in, in their country place, up country. They try to build a house. Why? Because their brother built a bigger house there. So they, they have to outdo him. Then, you see, that, that, that's the African mentality. Because, you see, these are the things that prove our worth. But it's because we've not known eternal life. So you see, I, I know somebody who built a, a house up country just for status, so that when he comes back, all the villagers are clapping. That guy is the one who owns that house. Is the one who owns. Now, <laughs> somebody who did that, they lost a job where they were in the city. Their children are in the schools in the city. They can't go back to up country. They can't carry the house back to the city. Why? Because of never arriving in God. The day you received Christ, you became complete. Amen. Some of the things you're competing to do, that's not your race at all. I like Joel Austin's story. He says one morning he's jogging. So as he's jogging, he sees this man jogging ahead of him. So he says, let me race this guy. Let me compete with him. So he starts running, running, competing with him. Then he beats him. He beats the guy who is not competing with him. He beats him. <laughs> and you see... At the end, after beating the man, he realizes he missed his turn to his house because he was busy competing with somebody who was not competing with him. You see, you are of God. He says, you are of God, little children, and you've overcome the world. You are of God. 
Your relatives who are making you feel like you must have a certain shoe to, 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 to qualify, you must have a certain job to, to, to be, know your worth in him. Amen. Know your worth in him. When he died on the cross, he didn't die so that you just have, because let me tell you, whatever you can have on earth, somebody will have something better. Praise the Lord. I believe my shoes look better than Bill Gates' shoes. I've always seen his shoes. So if we were using how his shoes look to tell the amount of money he has, many musicians in Kenya would have more money than Bill Gates. <laughs> the man knows who he is. He doesn't need to buy a certain pair of shoe to prove that he's a billionaire. Yeah. Know your worth in Christ. Amen. Know who you are in Christ. He's raised you. He's seated you in heavenly places. Far above all principalities. He's placed you there. And this is eternal life. When, you, when now you start interacting with him, there is no... Because you see, after being in the presence of a mighty man, of a great man, you feel big. There are people I met and I felt so big. I'll tell everyone. I, I, I was just from a meeting with so-and-so. I just shook so-and-so's hand. You see, we even post photos on Facebook. I met so-and-so. And you see, many of us, especially you ladies, ladies, listen to me. Many times when you want to show us your photo, you hide by using a message below the photo. <laughs> you put your photo. Then you say, today I want to talk about submission. <laughs> 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 then you write a whole chapter. <laughs> you can talk about submission without the photo. You can talk about submission with another online photo. Another image of a cheetah. <laughs> you say, I know you. <laughs> I know your ways. I know your tricks. And you put the photo with your new dress. <laughs> if I happen to comment, I'm going to say, nice dress. <laughs> then after all the comments, four days later, I'll say, oh, I went back and read the message. <laughs> the dress was better than the message. <laughs> no, but see, see where God has brought us. Many of these things happen because we are dead in a certain area. We need, and the truth is that as parents, as human beings, we have responsibility. Uh, we have a responsibility to make people feel good. We should not be the ones making people go through what they go through. But this is what I want to tell you, that there is no one, there is no one that God has left in charge of your life. As in, God is not so unfair that all your success was made dependent on your father. So no matter what your father did. And I'm not condoning what he did. It would have been easier for you to succeed if he had not done what he did. But you should know that you have God. All the affirmation you were not given, you can get in God. All the encouragement you if nobody said you are beautiful, you have God. You have God. You have God. Sin really numbs us from all these things. And even as we go, we go down, we keep defending things that are taking us down. I want you to be set free, and, and then you're like, you don't know what that person did to me. And I'm like, I don't need to know. I want you to be free. But you see, somebody will keep going down that road, keep going down that road. Because the devil wants us to be victims. He wants us to stay victims. The beginning of eternal life is when you get born again. But that's the beginning. Don't get born again and stay on the streets. It will be easy to fall back to prison. Get born again and walk into your mansion, which is eternal life. Walk into this continual relationship with God, which this relationship is not just coming to church. Many people have come to church promptly, on time, every service they are there, and they are still dying because they are not living the eternal life. Which life is a real union with your father? That you wake up and talk to him. He hears your voice. He guides you. It is a reality. You know him. You see, when you know him, there are many things that fade away. You encounter him. I told you of an experience I had. He tells me, you have me. That's all he said. All those things faded away. I didn't even think of God. How can so and Because initially it was that. How can so and so also say that about me? How can so and so also do that about me? How can so? But you see, when he is real, 
He is so beautiful. He, I like his song. They sing and say, the things of this earth. In, what's the name of that song? But they say that the things of this earth stand next to him like a candle to the sun. That's how they stand. All the pain, all the grief that we go through, when we encounter him, we will not really need it to be healed because in his presence there is true liberty, real liberty, and that is eternal life, that you walk with him every day. Don't you admire people who are never offended? When you encounter him, it is possible that you walk in such a life. Not that offense will not come, but offense will be like a candle next to the sun. The sun is like a million times the, the size of the earth. Yeah? A million. One million. One million earths can fit in the sun. So put a candle next to that. Even here, you can't put a candle next to this light. We will not know if it was there or not. So imagine when you encounter him every day. And eternal life is yours. It is your inheritance. It is not for a chosen few. It is not for certain people. It is for everyone. It is for everyone. You can talk to him every day. You don't need to be a victim in this life. With all that he did, the price that he paid on that cross, this is life for you. This is life. I've dwelt so much on this. We are going to talk about other things. Definitely I'll talk about healing. I'll talk about prosperity. I'll talk all these things come with eternal life. But I want you to get the root of the matter. Because you see, like I was telling you that there, as Christians, there are levels. There are levels of growth. And many times when we, miss, we mix up these levels, we become crippled as Christians. When many people get born again and all they first hear is financial prosperity, you know what happens to them? The day they don't have money, they will think God has left them. Because you see, they were first introduced to that. So they got born again because of money. That is why I'm emphasizing this, that eternal life, there is a place you get to where your satisfaction is not coming from any person, is not coming from any, any resource here on earth. First, you're complete in God. You're complete in him. You're so complete. Even for relationships. I normally say this, when is the right time to get into a relationship? When you're complete. If you're not enjoying your singlehood, if you're so desperate in your singlehood, then you're not ready. But when you come to a place where God is enough until you're thinking, hey, do I really need to get married? Most probably you're ready. Most probably you're ready. Because you see, as long as you're not complete, you have desires that, are, that, that, that you can't quench, that you can't, you're going to bring them in your marriage. And you're going to realize that they were only meant to be taken by Jesus. You don't realize your husband can't take them. You're, you see, oh, you see, when I was dreaming of a relationship, I think of somebody who would hold my hand every day and walk with me and what? I'm not saying husbands should not hold their wives' hands. But I'm telling you, if that's the reason you got married, to have somebody around you, you must first be complete in God for everything. Even jobs. Oh, then I want that high job. I want that job. Are you complete in Christ? Because you see, if you're not complete in Christ, you're going to compromise to keep that job. You're going to do anything to keep that job if you're not complete in Christ. And that only comes from a real relationship with him. Real, no, God is real. I normally tell people when I'm leading them to Christ, I normally tell them, speak to him. Don't just believe him just because of the words I told you. He is real. He is real. The Bible says he's not far. He's not in hiding. He's not, it, it's not that it's hard to find him. Talk to him. Wake up in the morning and tell him, I, I want the reality of you. I don't want this just to be a story. Praise the Lord. I don't want to do it because church people do it. I don't want to do it to, to, to fit in. I want you. I, I, I want to experience you. Let my eyes be opened to see this. Praise the Lord. And you become alive. You become alive. You become alive when you get to know this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It would be so sad for us to come and attend all these services and all. And then we realize we've never known God. We've been... And you see, it's possible even to speak in tongues. Because at times when Christians speak in tongues, they think, I've arrived, everything is done. It's impossible to speak in tongues, but you're not enjoying the eternal life. You're not communing with Him. 
and it is a continuous thing when you backslide meaning as in when you when you draw away you die it is i give many examples of in marriage you see many times the issue with marriage when you find that there is an issue in marriage why are we not happy anymore why are we not you go back and realize what did we used to do and you realize you stopped doing it it's the same thing with eternal life if you used to make time for him every morning and come and talk to him then eventually you stop you stop you're going to realize why don't i feel him like i used to go back go back to the ancient paths go back to that place and he's going to be there don't allow sin to get in the way don't allow condemnation to get in the way don't allow you are his child there's nothing you can hide from him never feel like i'm not even worthy to come to his presence he is everywhere wherever you are by the mere fact that you are alive you're here on earth he knows whatever you've done 